Hey, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mike. I'm one of the four elders here at Shower Church. Thank you for coming. Uh, it's a joy to be with you. It's a fun to watch babies getting dedicated. Kids are a blast. It's an honor to spend some time with you this morning and look at God's Word. My, uh, I have the honor of speaking through the fourth commandment this morning with you in Exodus 20. We're spending 10 weeks looking at the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments look at our response, our duty as followers of Christ. And then starting next week through the rest of the Ten Commandments series, the next six weeks we'll look at our response, our duty as followers of Christ in relation to our fellow man. And so we're looking at the fourth commandment this week. And so I titled this sermon, Real Rest, Real Rest. And I think that's an important concept for us as people to think about. Because I don't know about you, but in America, we sure uh, relish and cherish our workaholicness. It's like a celebration, like I'm so busy. How busy are you? I don't know, but I'm busier than you. And we just kind of boast in our activity, in our movement, in, our, in what we're accomplishing or perceived accomplishing. Rest is a fleeting concept in our American culture. Other countries, other nations got this down, dialed down, locked down. We don't do this well. Can I get an amen in our church? Amen. We don't rest well. And so the idea is real rest. And so if you want to rest apart from Christ, apart from Scripture, apart from what the Bible says where real rest comes from, you'll get that result. But if you want to rest the way God lays out rest in the Bible, as we look at here in the fourth commandment, I think you'll see a better way, a better way to really genuinely rest. And so as we embark into this uh, fourth commandment on real rest, I have a thesis statement for you I'd like to address as we go throughout this time together. The thesis statement is real rest comes when Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Real rest comes when Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So the concept of a Sabbath is every seven days, God set aside a day for us to retreat, recharge, refresh ourselves in the Lord. Uh, we rest from our work, we cease working, and we worship God. We work hard, and we rest hard, and we worship God. And so before we jump into this topic, let's bow our heads and let's pray and ask God's blessing on this time. God, I thank you that you're the Lord of Sunday and you're the Lord of every day. I ask that you'd be Lord of all of our lives as we attempt to turn our thoughts from the activities of what we went through this last week from this morning. It could have been a very eventful morning and a very eventful week for us, God. And rest is a fleeting thought, a fleeting concept of something we rarely ever experience, God. And I we come here tired, we come here broken, we come here weak, Lord, we come here needing rest. If we know it or not, Lord, I ask that you just help us to settle our hearts down, settle our spirits down, help us to turn our mind from what we were doing to what we're doing right now. Uh, we're attempting to be under the Word of God and learn um, from the Bible about what you say in Scripture, Lord. I pray that you would convict our hearts, encourage our hearts, instruct our hearts, Lord. Teach us so that we might obey something today, Lord. Uh, you're an equal opportunist of conviction, Lord, for all of us, Lord. Help us to be encouraged, strengthened, convicted, challenged, Lord. I pray that we would be doers of what we hear today, not just hearers. Help us not to walk away deceiving ourselves, but help us to walk away as doers of the Word of God. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so if you turn with me to the fourth commandment, it's found in Exodus 20, picking up in verse 8. <clears throat> you can read in the house Bibles or follow along on the screen in front of you. Exodus 20, verse 8, the fourth commandment. It picks up here. It says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. And on it you shall not do any work. You or your son 
or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Exodus 20, 8 through 11, the fourth commandment. So before we jump into what Sabbathing is and what it's not, and all those different variations of questions, concerns, comments, I'd like to address uh, an observation. Um, you might have an objection in your mind like, Mike, Sabbath, that's a word uh, I don't use much in my life, and I sometimes hear it at church. I'm not Jewish. I don't know what a Sabbath is, and I don't Sabbath. That might be what you're thinking. Uh, you might be thinking like, Mike, I don't see the fourth commandment in the New Testament. That kind of was a, a thing that expired when the new commandment and the Jesus and all that came. That's not carried over into the new commandment, the, the new testament. I found a very helpful 10 commandment passages that mirror the original commandments in the new testament. And this is more info than you want. But if you look through it, all of the 10 commandments of God's moral law are reflected in the new testament. And then we look at the fourth one is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then if you look at Colossians 2.16, it's basically giving you an out of Sabbathing, the Jewish way. Does that make sense? As we think about the Sabbath, so you're like, Mike, where are you getting at, Mike? Where are you going with this? All those other references, you know, you don't murder in the Old Testament, you don't murder in the New Testament. You know, don't commit adultery in the Old Testament, don't commit adultery in the New Testament. All that correlation happens. But when it comes to the fourth commandment, the Sabbath, it seems that we're released from this, this Sabbath rule. Sabbath Jewish religious customs in the New Testament. You're like, Mike, you got to sell me on why I care, why I should engage and pay attention. And so just beyond the fact that our culture is frantically overworked, workaholic people that don't end well, I really do think that if we think about biblically about how to rest, rest in the Lord, retreat, recharge in the Lord, I think we won't only stay in the Christian life well over the years, but we will finish well. All of you will finish your life. All of you will finish life, either on a, on a whimper or on a win. You will end your life. Try or not, you will all die and you will finish. The goal is that we finish well our walk with God. And to stay in the race and finish the race well, we have to understand this key concept of what real rest is and what it's not. We need to learn how to finish well. So let's work through this passage slowly. Verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So remember, context, context adds color. The nation of Israel, a million people are standing around uh, the foot of Mount Sinai, at the top of the mountain, up at the pinnacle of the mountain. There's this dark storm cloud with lightning and thunder, and God is speaking with an audible voice to his people, explaining and defining the terms of the relationship. And he said, there's no other gods but me. Don't make an idol. Don't misuse my name. Remember the Sabbath. And he talks about what that is and what it's not. So think, in the Near East ancient religions, there was this concept of a Sabbath didn't exist. All the other faiths in the world at this time did not have an idea of a day off, a restful day. You're like, we're number one. Yeah, I get it. That is the number one religion on the planet, but it's not because of we get our people a day off. <laughs> the number one religion on the planet had monotheism was a new thought, and this whole Sabbath thing and worshiping God weekly was a new thought. A second big concept to be understanding is this concept of rest and Sabbathing is independent from anything you see in nature. Those trees don't have a seventh day off. A lion and tiger and a bear don't get a Sabbath. 
Their prey isn't running for their life saying, hey, it's Sunday, <laughs> leave me alone. We're not supposed to rest and I'm running for my life. Nature doesn't have a seventh day off. Do you understand what I'm saying? This concept is outside of the realm of nature. It's a supernatural concept that God has given his people of God is to slow down, recharge, rethink, and focus on him. You see this work-rest rhythm in our American culture here in Lincoln, Nebraska. We go hard in the paint for five days a week, and then we go hard in the paint on the weekend. Whistle the whistle, echo to echo the whistle. That's who we are as a society. But you also see this rhythm of working and worshiping in the Bible. So what is a Sabbath? Where did it origin originate from? If you turn to the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, God created everything. In the beginning, God. Remember? Created everything. He also created the Sabbath, this concept of rest. And God didn't stop, retreat, recharge, and rest because he was tired, frustrated, stressed out, anxious, needed to take a day. Do you get what I'm saying? God did this as a way to model for his creation. The creator modeled for his creation what it looked like to retreat, recharge, and refresh themselves in the relationship with each other. God created the Sabbath and he created everything. And he made a break to show us what it would look like. He was modeling for his creation what we should do. The Jewish faith Sabbaths on Saturday. The Christian faith Sabbaths on Sunday. In the calendar, of the, the ancient calendar, the seventh day was the last day of the week. The Sunday was the first day of the week. Because of the resurrection morning, Easter morning, we Christians worship and gather and follow and worship God on Sunday, the first day of the week. Sabbathing is all about resting it's all about ceasing from your work and turning your focus to God. The Sabbath also points us to a final resting day, which I won't spend a lot of time on. In Hebrews 4, if you like to read a Sabbath passage, Hebrews 4, 9 and 10, talks about our ultimate Sabbath rest is found in Christ in heaven someday. So we can rest. We can rest well. We can rest hard. But if I spend all afternoon scrolling social media, after a couple hours, I feel like my mind is rotting. If I spend the whole weekend watching 12 hours of Netflix after hours 9 or 10, I'm like, you know, you think we've had enough? <laughs> or, or are we still here? Should we watch another show? Uh, the way we rest here on earth, on this side of heaven, is limited. And there's realms of how well we can really recharge, recoup, and rest in the Lord. We will have a perfect rest someday in heaven of those followers of Christ. But you see this pattern throughout the Bible. Go time and slow time. Work, rest, in season and off season, we are created beings that are created to rest. We require rest. The longest I've gone without sleep is missing one night. I was pretty foggy the next day, and I went to work. We had like an all-night college prayer meeting for some reason. And then we got through the prayer meeting, and then I went to work that day. I was like loopy. I was not myself. Maybe you've fine-tuned that skill. But all these parents up here... They're a little shell-shocked if they have little kids, and they're a little tired, and they might have had interrupted sleep. We physically need to sleep at night. Some of us need six hours, some of us need eight hours, but your brain, your body needs to lay down a third of your life in rest daily. You're created beings who need to have that rhythm of work and rest. You need to have a nighttime to have a daytime. You need to have a time to recharge and re-rest. We, as a society, work five days a week and have two days off. You see this rhythm? Uh, scientists, scientists, sociologists have done research on should it be a four-day work week? Should it be a six-day work week? Should it be a seven-day work week? What about a 12-day work week? What about a 20 days on, one day off? What's the best routine that keeps employees productive, that keeps people from making mistakes, that keeps people fresh? There's no like workman's comp thing. Society is doing well and not getting strained too much. 
You know what the sweet spot is? Six days on, one day off. God created this, and it's outside the realm of nature. We are designed, we need extended periods of time off to rest, reflect, and recharge in the Lord. And, and you also see this pattern throughout the Old Testament in the Jewish faith. God was intimately involved in the rhythms of the life of the followers of his nation, the nation of Israel. So you have a, you have a, a daily Sabbath. You have a daily rest. You have a, a weekly Sabbath every seven days. And then there's these Jewish festivals that happen throughout the calendar year. There's six to eight Jewish festivals you would engage with throughout the calendar year as a good Jew. And then if you rolled with your Jewish faith, every seven years, there's a thing called the year of Sabbath. The year of Sabbath, every seven years. And then every 50 years, there's this year of Jubilee. We're all indentured servants, all indentured slaves would be released. Debts would be dropped. And like farms land would be left hollow for a period of time. There's these rhythms that you see throughout the Bible of giving the people, the land, the society, the economy, breaks and rhythms of rest. Because we rest under the curse of the fall of man, we don't rest perfectly like we will rest someday in heaven. So, again, I ask you, what is the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is about worshipful rest. That's our purpose of our Sabbath. And I propose to you, real rest comes when Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So look at that passage, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So we looked at what is a Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day, which you kind of got an idea of. Keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Okay, so what is holy? You've been at this church for a period of time. We've done series on this. We call it the Set Apart series. We are called as the people of God to be set apart for a different purpose than what our culture is. We're supposed to be following and pursuing God alone. But what does it mean to have a Set Apart Sunday? A Set Apart restful time? What does that look like? One scholar speaking about this fourth commandment talked about this concept of being a Set Apart holy day. He said, is it, a, it is expressly said that the, the ordinary work of life should be intermitted by the whole gathered community of God's people. We need to get away and set apart this day different than all other days. Why keep it holy? If you look at the whole fourth commandment, verse 8 and verse 11, the two bookends of the commandment talk about this holy concept. At the beginning, he gets into it, and at the end, he concludes it holy at the both ends of this fourth commandment. It starts and stops with a call, a reminder to holiness. So remember, your Bible isn't like a, your friend's Instagram post. It's not like comments on a blog. Your Bible's not a Hallmark gift card note thing, a Hallmark card. Your Bible is an ancient book written to an ancient audience that he's addressing real life things that impact their life. But the problems and the challenges that they're facing, we also face, because this is under God's moral law. We need a Sabbath and rest in the Lord in the Old Testament and into the New Testament. Dan said last week in his sermon, he said, the law and the gospel are complementary. The law and the gospel are complementary. As we study the law, the Ten Commandments, we have a deepening understanding of the law, the justice of God. But we also need to have a deepening understanding of the grace of God. And those two depths of unappreciation needs to grow. If we just go deep in the law and we stay shallow in the gospel, you'll become a legalistic, fundamentalist, authoritative Christian. If you go deep, deep, deep in the gospel and you don't appreciate the law, you might become more of a liberal, lenient, squishy Christian. We need a depth in both of loving and appreciating the law of God and a depth of appreciation for the gospel. We need a deepening understanding of both and, not either or. The moral law is a reflection of the God who himself is 
holy, set apart. And he said, be holy. Keep your Sabbaths holy. He said that in verse 8. Let me go back a little. To keep it holy. Talking about the Sabbath. Keeping your Sabbath holy. God is holy. His nature is holy. His day set apart for worship is to be holy. And we as people are supposed to be set apart and be holy on that day. Supposed to focusing our times at being holy. So keeping your Sabbath day holy, what does that look like? Well, holiness means set apart. Do you find it ironic that the highest traffic on adult websites is on Sunday? Do you find that ironic? That in a Christian nation, the highest traffic on adult websites is on Sunday. All days of the week, people could go to adult websites. Sunday is the most trafficked day of the year, of the week. Keep it holy, set apart. Next, top, next point, holiness means regular worship. You're like, what, Mike? Holiness means regular worship. So we usually have about 300-some people on Sunday mornings. You're like, there ain't 300 people in here, Mike. He lying. Well, listen, there's a service at 9. We had the people that were in the parking lot before you came. That's our first service. We have two services. We have usually 300 people on a Sunday morning. On Easter, we jumped to 434 people, which is God, Jesus, building his church, which is amazing. But we didn't have 134 visitors. We had all of our quarter-timers and half-timers all came at the same time because there's, there's candy getting handed out. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, one pastor was talking about this dynamic of helping your church find a rhythm of worshiping regularly. He said, if you come one time a month, why don't you start coming two times a month? If you come two times a month, why don't you make a habit of coming three times a month? If you come three times a month, make a habit of coming four times a month. If you come four times a month, give someone a high five and be patient with the rest of us. I don't know why I want to dance around. We're supposed to set apart this day as holy, consecrated unto the Lord, serving the Lord, worshiping the Lord. So I took the first couple commandments and I went on a little rant here. We're supposed to worship and serve him only. That's the first commandment. Not on your own terms, Americans. That's the second commandment. Not based on your own preferences that technology gives you. That's the second commandment. But on his terms before the watching world. That's the second and third commandment. Make regular church worship a part of the rhythms of your life. That's the fourth commandment. So does holiness mean regular worship? I think the answer is yes. The New Testament says this in Hebrews 10, 25. It says, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day of God's return. Keep coming encouraging each other. Make this a priority in your life. So why do many of us regularly skip worship? Why do many of us regularly skip worship? Do they not worship God every Sunday? Do they worship God somewhere else? Why do many of us regularly skip worship? The answer is we do worship. We do worship. But if you were here two weeks ago, we worship other things. We worship the bottle. We worship partying the night before, and we have trouble getting here on Sunday morning. We, as a society, can worship slothfulness, vegging out, watching Netflix, scrolling on your phone and social media. We can worship the sedentary lifestyle, which is our American halftime, pastime. We love the sedentary lifestyle as a society. We might worship our freedom, leveraging technology and having a self-day, a day away, doing what we want and the freedom God has given us. We worship, but we worship freedom. We might worship youth sports. Oops. Sorry. I meant to cut that. But, but Mike, my son's athletic. Well, I didn't, you know, 
wouldn't tell my your daughter she's you know your other son he's cute he doesn't have to obey one woman man stuff i mean the moral law worshiping god making it a priority that should be an all-encompassing pursuit of all of your life even if your youth sports is a part of your child's life we should worship we sometimes worship adult sports man this pastor must not want people in his church i know we we do our local huskers our sports teams we we worship adult sports or nature you're like nature we're in nebraska well, boating, camping, hunting, fishing. If we're in the coast or by the mountains, that's easy. But we have our own version, our own vices. We, we worship nature as a society. We are found worshiping. We're called to keep the Sabbath holy, means set apart for the Lord. We're supposed to keep the Sabbath holy. That means regular worship. And I propose to you, real rest comes when Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Look at me to verse 9. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So FYI, work is not a sin. Work is not a sin. So if you think of the creation theology, God hired Adam and made him in charge of the Garden of Eden, paradise. And it was perfect. It was paradise. And he put him to work tending the garden. And then before he found Eve and created Eve out of Adam's rib, he said to Adam, hey, name every single animal in all of creation. And maybe Adam was creative or not. Maybe this was an easy job or not. But Adam named every single animal in all creation. He had a job. Tend the garden and name all the animals. That's a lot of work. I mean, naming kids was hard in my life. You know, <laughs> naming a church felt darn impossible. Naming all livestock, every animal on this planet, that's a big job. Adam had a lot of work. And he worked. And it was meaningful, satisfying work before the original sin. Later on, that happens. But think, when we die and we're following Christ and we're, we're Christians and we're in heaven, we will be giving meaningful, satisfying, joy-filled, energizing work, labor in heaven. Work is good for you. That sedentary lifestyle I mentioned, it is really not healthy for American society to be that sedentary. We are designed with muscles and ligaments and bones. We don't do well when we're floating around in space. And our brains and stuff don't do well. We don't do well when we're floating around our sofa all weekend and all week. We need to be active, physically active. That's how God made us, to walk around, explore His nature, and have dominion over His nature. We have bodies. We're supposed to give them rest. But we are designed to be do work. If you work hard during the week, you should have no problem recharging, recouping, and resting on the weekend. If you work hard during the day, you should have no problem resting at night. My wife told me, she's like, Mike, we have a problem. And I'm like, you're right. We have three growing opportunities, three sons that have a different set of energy than the little sweet daughter of ours. And she's like, yeah, you got to do something. So like when I get off work at night, I'm working out with three boys. We're riding these bikes everywhere, getting flat tires and keeping bike shops in town in business. We are, we are running. We are, there's, there's this neighbor man who has five lawns in our street. And I've asked him about employing my sons for dirt cheap. And so they're mowing five different lawns for our neighbor guy with his adult supervision help. I mean, they're active. I mean, dad gets home, it's time to sweat and work those boys out because they have a lot of energy. But if they don't work out, little boys will, you know, they're, they'll be boys. And so <laughs> hard work. We're supposed, I, I challenge you Christians, work hard for God's glory during the week. You're worshiping God all week. And then on Sundays, Retreat, recharge, and refresh yourself in the Lord and Sabbathing with your Savior. 
worship God on Sunday and worship God on Monday and worship God on Tuesday and why not on Wednesday? You've got a street going and worship God on Thursday and worship God on Friday as you go to work. As you're a lawyer, as you're a salesman, as you're a doctor, as you're a teacher, as you're a pharmacist, as you're a coder, as you're a computer engineer, you're worshiping God in your labor. As a mother, as a teacher, as a coach, you're worshiping God in your labor all week and the eyes of the watching world is watching you. Continue to worship and work work and worship interchangeably all week for the glory of God. And then when it's time, retreat, recharge, and refresh in the Lord. I know our society doesn't get this as a culture. Our rhythms of work and rest, our work, rest, rhythms, work and worship, that's all messed up. I like that song we just sang. You never stop working. No, you never stop. You never stop working. Remember that song we just sang? I mean, I hate that song. I mean, don't tell Va. I love it. It's a great, but it's like, it's like, ah, it bugs me because I, I'm, 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 I'm like some of you. I work, I'm in it, I'm, our society, I struggle with stop working and that's sin. You get what I'm saying? Look at this quote from Gunnar Gunderson. Gunderson. Gunnar Gunderson. He says, when work is an idol, rest will feel like a sin. When work is an idol, rest will feel like a sin. We idolize the wrong things. We don't idolize God. We don't idolize our walk with Jesus. We idolize our career. We idolize our hobbies. We idolize vices. We idolize things that are not our Savior. That's the second commandment. That was two weeks ago. We are prone to excess as a culture, to extremes. Of one extreme or the other. We work too much or we rest too much. We don't find that happy balance, that, that rhythm that we need to have. We are prone to excess as a culture. Some of you need to stop sitting and get a job and work six days a week, five days a week. Work hard. Get a job. You need a job. Ask a pastor. We know people in town that will hire you. You can get a job in Lincoln. You need to get a job. Some of you need to get a job. Did you hear me? You need to get a job. There's some of you, you need to stop sitting and take a day off and make that day about worshiping God and focusing on verse 10, which we're getting to in a second. The purpose of your work is worship. The purpose of Sabbath is worship. The purpose of your life is worship, Christian. Thesis statement, real rest comes when Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Let's look at verse 10. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. On it you shall not work. So real quick, Genesis, Garden of Eden had rest. God rested. Exodus, the next book in your Bible, chapter 20, the same theme of rest you find in the next book of the Bible in Exodus about God mandating the fourth commandment, rest. You fast forward to the Gospels. Jesus in the Gospels said, come to me, you who are weary and heavy, burdened, laden, and I will give you... This side of the room didn't hear it, so let's try again. Come to me who are weary and heavy, burdened, and I will give you... There we go, church. Um, that's the Gospels. And then you go to the Revelations, the very last book of your Bible. It talks about God created a new heaven and a new earth, and He will rest, and we will rest from our fallen labor here. So like here and now, our work is cursed because of sin that happened after the garden. That's part of the fallen condition we have because of the sin that is in our society and us as people. And so when we fix something, it breaks. When I get a bike fixed, it breaks a few weeks, hours, months later. Our work is like a treadmill right now. Parts of work and the sin nature of our planet is a, is a broken treadmill. But in heaven someday, there will be no you know, treadmill cycle of our work. It will be perfect labor. So who should Sabbath? Who should Sabbath? Look at verse 10. Who should Sabbath? 
you or your sons or your daughters, your male servants, your female servants, or your livestock, or the sojourners who are within your gates. So who should Sabbath? Yeah, well, wives aren't listed. That Bible is a misogynistic, patriarchal book. Some of you are like, yeah, where is the woman's name? You know, well, listen, it's building on each other. It's like, it's not a tweet. It's building on each other. Genesis says the two become one. They leave their families. They create a new flesh. They leave their wives, leave their families, husbands leave their families. They create a new flesh. So in the author, in the original language, it says side by side, husband and wife are one. So when it's like you worship, it's like you, family unit, husband and wife, you worship. And you have your kids rest, your, 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 you and your spouse, your significant other, you rest, your daughters rest, your servants rest, your sojourners rest, all those people rest. Does that make sense? It's an ancient book. It's an ancient book. Everyone needs to rest. Notice, godly employers should give their employees the opportunity to rest, recharge, and worship the Lord. Even sojourners should recognize the difference between the Lord's day and other days. So who should Sabbath, church? Everyone. Everyone. So here's a stat that I don't like. I didn't make it, but we need to know it. Stats aren't sexist. I don't think. Barna is this large research firm. Uh, they do huge research on a lot of different topics. Uh, but they did research on family retention of kids that grew up in the church, that stayed in the church after they turned 18. This family retention stats on Barna. What keeps little Johnny or little Jorge or little Hector long-term in the church? This matters to us. This matters to the stage. This matters to us as the church. What keeps them engaged in the church? And they found that like if, <clears throat> if grandma and grandpa take Johnny to church, there's a 20% likelihood Johnny will stay in the church after he turns 18. 80% likelihood he will not go to the church after he turns 18. What if mom, what if mom drags Johnny to church every day of his life? There's a 20% chance Johnny will stay in church and 80% likely chance that Johnny will not stay in church. But if dad takes Johnny to church regularly, there's an 80% likelihood that Johnny will attend church after he turns 18 on his own. Men and women, the Bible talks about this authority that God's given fathers to lead out by example. And some of the deepest wounds that happened in your life might be from your father. What he did or didn't do, what he said or didn't say. And you as a father, you're modeling what it, the priorities of life. And if you spend your life pursuing alcohol, sports, your leisure, your hobbies, fishing, hunting, everything, and God is an afterthought to something you don't think about, there is consequences for that. You're modeling that God doesn't matter week after week. And then when your kid grows up and goes on their own, they're just being like you. They're modeling what you've shown them. Men and women, let's go at this together. There are fathers in this church that can be the father your kid never had. Some of you have, some of you have, uh, God saved you out of some rough situations. Some of you, uh, spouses have died. I mean, there's sad, there's sad part of being on this side of eternity with sad sin nature and there's actions have consequences and sin have consequences and sin hurts people. But there could be father figures for your kids in this room if you don't have them. That's what we just did a minute ago of Shane with our parent commissioning. And it could be a beautiful thing. But men and women, this is a heavy thing. That parental charge we just took, this is a heavy thing. The amount of work and responsibility put on men to lead the way for their whole family is significant. Look at verse 11. For in six days the Lord has made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath is a foreshadow of things that are to come. 
<clears throat> so let's land the plane here. Let's conclude. Uh, what are, what's a practical for this passage? What's a practical for Sabbathing? What is it? We covered that. Kind of. You got an idea. To be dangerous. <laughs> Make something practical, Mike, for me to walk away with. My son asked me a question um, a couple weeks ago about something, <clears throat> and I answered him. And he's like, I don't, he didn't understand. He's like, Dad, explain it to me like I'm a child. I'm like, you are a child. <laughs> so then I took the thing I said, and I made it very concise. And so I'm going to speak to you like a child. So what's the practicals of Sabbath? So what do I do? What do I do, Mike? What do I do? Okay, so the Sabbath, to really Sabbath well, I would challenge you to go deep with the Lord. So on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you're working, you're running around, you're doing a lot of good stuff for the glory of God. Yes. And you're, you're consuming the Bible and prayer. On Sundays, if that's your Sabbath day, it's not my Sabbath day, if that's your Sabbath day on Sundays, go deep with the Lord. Do something special on your Sabbath day. If that's a walk, if you pray, if you pray a little bit longer than normal, if you put some worship music on and sing along, if you, if you skip a meal and fast, if you read an extra portion, if you do some audio Bible and go for a walk, Go deep with the Lord. If there's some structured, focused studying on a certain topic, like you want to go deeper on your parenting, you want to work on your marriage, you're going to work on your finances, you're going to work on advice in your life, you want to work on some, you know, learning a language, you can go be a missionary and oversee, whatever, you know, go deeper with your walk with the Lord one time a week. Make it set apart special as opposed to the everyday mundane walk with the Lord. Make it a special time to go deep with the Lord. Go deep with the Lord. Second thing. Go deep with your main relationships, your primary relationships. You got one of these, it's the person that has the other one of these. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to go deep with. Your spouse, your significant other, your husband's, this is your wife. Um, take her on a walk. Let her ask you questions. Ask her a bunch of questions. Take notes and work on stuff together. Be engaged. Not a passive husband, not a disengaged husband. Be an engaged husband. This is your wife. She signed up for marriage. She signed up for you for the long run. You kind of had, you presented a version of yourself during dating and engagement. That's kind of an expectation that continues on for the rest of the day. So go deep with your main relationships. Husbands, wives, parents, kids. Amen? Well, if you're a single man or woman or a college guy or single, not married yet, you have primary relationships in your life. You have a crew of girls, a crew of guys that you're rolling with. Go deep with them. Sabbath with them. Rest with them. Enjoy the relationship God has given you. Have a deepening relationship with the people of God and a deepening relationship with God. That's the two things. What about the whole physical thing of like sleep and rest and not working? I propose to you this. If you're a blue-collar person, do white-collar stuff. If you're a white-collar person, Monday through Friday, do blue-collar stuff. You're like, what? Like if you're working all week, driving a truck. That's cerebral. You're scanning the road, paying attention. You know, do... Blue collar stuff, mow the lawn, go for a run, ride a bike, you know, flip it around the other way. If you're a blue collar guy, build like a masonry was in the first service. He's going to need a little R&R. &R. He needs to rest his body because his body's like a professional athlete, you know, working all week of his body. He needs to do maybe a, a mental refreshment. Does that make sense? So there's liberty on the last part of go deep with sleep is how I summarize that. Physical rest, maybe, but whatever your opposite of your normal rhythm is. Love the Lord, love the people God's put in your life. I propose that to you as a, a tool, a practical for how to Sabbath as a church. Conclusion, you need a Sabbath. I need a Sabbath. We all need a... Hey, there we go. Uh, and we're entering a restful season of life as a church. So don't let the summer break break you. Don't get distracted on your time off. Invest 
And a real rest comes from Jesus as the Lord of our Sabbath. I think this is a timely word for our church. A very timely word about this topic of unique seasons for us. Um, it's, a, it's an announcement. I think it's an exciting, good announcement. Um, we, uh, we've been pursuing what it means to be a healthy church for several years now. Learning about that, exploring that, and implementing principles and practicals of what healthy churches have. Or what it means to be a healthy member, what it means to be a healthy pastor, what it means to be healthy expositors of the Word of God, healthy prayer meetings, healthy discipleship, healthy, healthy, healthy is our hope. Not a health and wealthy, I'm saying a biblically sound, healthy church. And so there's this rhythm of rest that we try, that we're attempting to do as a church for our, our pastor staff. Does that make sense? Specifically, Dan Koch and me. I'm Mike. Dan and Mike. And so Shane, Ben, and I looked into this, I think it was a year or so ago, about uh, a sabbatical. Every seven years, having a sabbatical for our full-time staff to care for them proactively, not reactively. To care for people that are full-time caring for us, proactively, not reactively. So if you haven't noticed, Dan is not here. Dan Koch is not here. I've been a full-time pastor for nine years. Dan has been full-time in the ministry trenches for 18 and a half years. It's a lot. And so we're going to proactively care for Dan Koch and Lori and the family and give them a season of rest. Because Dan couldn't walk into this room and not be your pastor. You love him. He loves you. You can't just like turn it off. You get what I'm saying? As a pastor and the people around you don't turn it off. And so Dan will not be with us over the summer because we want to proactively care for Dan. What are we not doing? Well, some churches do sabbaticals very differently. It's kind of like you're on the path to burnout or you're having a midlife crisis. You're about to have a blow up or it's like a disciplinary thing because you're messing up and you're biting sheep and being a jerk about a bunch of stuff. So we're putting you on break. You need to find a new job. You know, that's a, that's the way that churches have done it. And I don't, that's not, I don't see that in the Bible. And that's not what is happening with Dan. Dan is doing great. His walk of the Lord is good. His marriage is good. His pastoring is good. It's good. We're just, we didn't think it's good. We want it to be great the next, the next seven years. We're going to give Dan a break. He's on a sabbatical effective immediately. Like this is his first day of sabbaticaling. So an action item for all of y'all is to pull out your phones. We're at church. Pull out your phones. Okay. I'm going to joke. I'm not, you don't have to do this, but find Dan's number, find Lori's number and delete it. That's what you can do. No, 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 no. But don't bug him. Don't call him. Don't do nothing. Don't text him. Don't tweet him. Don't meme him. That might be hard for some of us, but don't. Um, you can, I'm, I mean, I'm kidding. He loves you. Um, you can do that for me when I'm on sabbatical. You can delete my number. It'll be great. So um, I'm just kidding. <clears throat> but Dan is leading out for us as a church at modeling healthy rhythms of go time and slow time in a time of deepening walk with his marriage and his family. Because as a pastor, there's pain of being a pastor. It's our pain and your pain. There's a burden of being a pastor. It's not just my burden. It's, it's your burdens. When you share them, if you don't call a pastor because everything's going great in your life, at least they don't call me. They call me when things are going really poor or they're concerned or they're fearful. And you see that, that humanity is burdened that we aren't designed to carry as people. Jesus is the ultimate high priest that will carry that burden perfectly forever. But we're under shepherds, under Jesus, that are attempting to do this to the best of our abilities. And we, we love the Koch family. We want to care for Dan and Lauren. We want to proactively, before we need it, do it. Because we want to be a healthy church that's healthy for our pastors. Some churches have a history. Don't tell anyone. But some churches have a history of eating up and spitting out pastors and staff. Because they're not healthy. And they ask too much of their people. And they break their people. I don't, we're not that church. I'm very grateful for who God has given us. But we want to lean into this. So if you want to be a blessing to them, we're going to give them a gift as a church. And if you want to be a blessing to them as a 
member, as a, your pastor, they care for you, you care about them, you can write a letter and mail it to the church, and we'll get it to Dan. That's his address. It's a church building. That's where you are right now, okay? Um, we want to thank you as we keep leaning into these rhythms of work and rest. We want to care for our staff well. Healthy churches have healthy employees. We want to care for our people well. Amen? That's it. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Sabbathing and how you created an amazing thing. I need a Sabbath. We all need a Sabbath, Lord. I pray that we would all lean into this work-rest rhythm and figure it out, Lord, in a way that is honoring to you and cares for our primary relationships, Lord, and, and we have a deepening walk with you because of our times in the Sabbath, God. I pray you just bless Dan and Lori and their family as they're disconnecting and connecting with each other and with you. I pray you just really encourage them, refresh them, oh Lord. I pray you just really lead us, Lord, as a church. We just love you. We want to just obey everything you say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.